You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OKSIS, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to OKSIS Podcast. Oh, you're going to say your name? My no? name is Mads. Okay. Hi, Mads. I am Scout Sisters. I am the older sister of Mads. And we are sitting on this couch, on my couch today, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in San Diego. And we are in head-to-toe monochromatic sweatsuits. I mean, I'm always in head-to-toe monochromatic sweatsuits, but welcome to the club, Scout. You like mine, don't you? I, <laughs> I like any and all monochromatic Yeah, but this sweatsuits. one's a unique one. This is a unique. It's unique. Like a, is it kind of like that waffle material? You, you look know? you look like a waffle. You look like <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's correct. It you, looks like one of those throws that are like waffle prints. Waffle print. You look like a a <laughs> Okay. I feel like something non-flattering is about to come out of your mouth. You look like a a teletubby. Oh, yay. That's wonderful. Ben June always says, like he said, like this sweatsuit, he was like, you look like um, an orange Teletubby. Yeah. Like a, a pumpkin. That's a pretty like burnt orange brown situation. Terracotta. Terracotta. Okay. Terracotta, I would that's, say. That's the way to make a sweatsuit elevated by giving Calling it, it terracotta. Giving them, giving sweatsuits adjectives, descriptive adjectives such as terracotta or waffle-like throw material. There it is. You know. Now it's elevated. Now it's chic. Now we're here. Yeah. It's not Teletubby land. It's terracotta land. It's terracotta. All right. Shall we get into conversations? Because we have such a informative and philosophical discussion to get into. I'm really excited about this discussion. I feel like it'll be tantalizing. Oh, dare I say scintillating. Oh, oh. Or we used to do word of the day. We only did word of the week because the you week. have this incessant need for others to think, s- like, think, think that smart. you're articulate and have a high vocabulary, which... I completely understand after listening to Pod Save America and listening to Gia Tolentino talk. It is Gia Tolentino. Gia Tolentino speak. Her vocabulary and the way she articulates. She's a walking thesaurus. I, it, it, it's <sighs> astonishing. And it's, she, it's astonishing. And the, the best part of that, about, and we're going to get into that, Ed reference that episode, but the best part is that John Favreau mm-hmm. and Gia Tolentino highly educated prolific writers thinkers john favreau uh, doesn't doesn't hold a candle next to gia tolentino when she talks oh that was not what i was gonna say um what i was gonna say was in the beginning they both talk about how they both have just had kids have babies Mm -hmm. so they're talking about how they 
can't think straight, how they're just, they're not going to be able to form sentences or form thoughts correctly. And then they go into this like old, like insane debate where they just sound like professors. Yeah. And when, when Gia speaks, it like, is. If that's your mom brain. I don't know what the fuck my mom brain no, is I going to be. Okay. So this podcast is going to plummet when you're pregnant and Oy trying to speak babe. on this podcast. Um, but when Gia speaks, it's so articulate, but it's not forced. You don't think oh, no. that she's putting on a show. You, you're just astonished that that is literally her her baseline it's it is lyrics. her baseline it's lyrics it's that, prose it's prose it's like a poeticism that just like v- like vomits out of her it's uh, uh, it's incredible it's yeah she's, i could just listen to her talking about you know what this is what i would love and then she a started podcast. out on a reality tv show it just defies it just defies the odds I, what yeah her um her second essay in her book is about how she was on a reality tv show when she was younger what the fuck i don't remember that okay oh, yeah um the thing I want, okay, I'm putting this out there. Podcast with Gia Tolentino. We give her a topic that is completely mundane, and completely we, stupid and, we and absurd. <laughs> and we, no, and she just waxes poetic about the mundanity of the subject. Okay. So I'll give her, I'll give it uh, an example. A piece of dog poop. No. Gia Tolentino could talk like a social sociologist. She could like a professor, like a motherfucking professor, like a Nobel Peace Prize winner. She would just be like the color, the she would be descriptive. No. Mm. She would understand the the desire, the 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 nature of the dog and the impulses. She would talk about. It, I mean, it would just it would. I would. I would, I would say it would be it. more of like the philosophical metaphor of what it means of what it means for in a dog, a to societal shit. context. Great. I would love to hear it. Anyway, I'd love to hear it. Sisters, what we're talking about is that we're going to, wow, we're going to be doing a (laughs) deep dive into the internet. And that might sound basic or confusing, but don't you worry. Definitely not basic. Well, I mean, it just sounds simplistic. The internet. Like, what what are you going to talk about the internet, right? But we are going to get into it because I feel as if we've been talking in the last couple months about the effects of social media, about the fatigue of social media. And this is going to open up a bigger conversation about how the internet plays a role in our lives, where it's going, the aspects we don't like about it, and what we can do, or I don't know what we can do, but we're we're along for the ride. So anyways, let's do current fixations first. Let's do it. I shall start. I just finished Amrata's book, My Body. Yes, you did. My Body, My Choice. Nope. That's not what it's called. That's not what it's called. Just called My Body. Amrata, you are welcome on the pod whenever. Yeah, so she reposted my photo that I posted. I know. Did you you DM her? I DM'd her, but she never answered me after that. I know. The DMs were open. I know. The DMs were open. I can follow up. Is it? Follow up. Just following up up on this DM. If she didn't see it, follow up. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, I read her book. It is, I don't know, there's like maybe 10 or so essays um, regarding her relationship to her body as a model. It is a very, very introspective, vulnerable account of her relationship to how she, her, her relationship, I suppose, to power and how it relates to her body, her relationship to men, how she really acknowledges that the power that she uses with or the the way she uses her body to cultivate power is based off of the desire of men and men deeming her desirable so it really really goes into a little bit of the behind the scenes feelings that she has about her career i feel as if there was a lot of loose ends a lot of loose ends around the fact of i felt as if she talked about the kind of more vulnerable and sad parts of her career but I really also wanted to know how she feels as a whole about her career you know is she proud that she's a model today because she she, empowered is she empowered because she continues to model and so I think that begs the question of if the modeling industry provided this much anguish and this much feeling um disempowered in many ways under the veil of empowerment does she still want that to be her career moving forward? I felt as if from the book, she wanted to go towards more of a writing career. But I that was the, my main question at the end. With all this information, which it doesn't have to be black and white, she can feel these things about the modeling industry and some of the unfortunate situations that she was put into as a model and want to continue in the industry. Um, I just felt as if it was a looming question because the pros weren't super super talked about she talked a lot about how she didn't feel great about being an influencer and posting things that made her feel like she was just an advertiser and like an advertisement for other brands 
And so there was a lot that she broke down that was unfavorable about her career. And I just wonder how she feels about it as a whole and whether or not she wants to continue to pursue the modeling industry because, I, I mean, I think she is, and how she feels about that moving forward in her career. So yeah. it, it 10 out of 10 recommend. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, Bravo so to Emrata. Truly. I mean, I remember – so Emrata and I are the same age. She grew up in San Diego, and my high school boyfriend – knew of her I think she was a friend of a friend and so I remember being a senior in high school and him saying hey there's this girl she goes to this high school near us and she did this she's a model and she did this shoot and it just really reminded me of you I feel like the her vibe would really you would really appreciate it she was nude it was a gorgeous video and he showed it to me and I remember looking at her and thinking at the age of 17 holy shit this girl is gonna be she's gonna change the world there's something about her that it's just Yes, beautiful in her body, but there's something so captivating about Emrata when you look at photos of her and videos of her that go beyond her physical appearance. And so ever since I was 17, I've been following Emrata's career because I felt this kind of kinship towards her in the sense that she went to high school in the same neighborhood as we did, as I did. She started her career and I feel like no one knew her, obviously, when she was 17. She became really big when she was in the Blurred Lines music video. So I have felt a little bit of a kinship to her and have always seen her as someone with deep artistic integrity. So I am very, very proud of her for releasing this book. It is now a New York Times bestseller. Very well deserved. Mazel. And uh, yeah, highly recommend the book. I am going to be stealing it from you as, yeah, I uh, as I leave this house. Which so I don't do. I don't give books out, so return it. Uh, okay. Well, um, I'm very, very excited to get into the headspace of Emrata. The headspace that we all should be in, you know? I mean, it's a sad headspace <laughs> at times, so I don't know. But <laughs> Okay. My fixation is um, a lot more superficial. Uh, I am obsessed Actually, I'll, I'll take a step back. Sisters, you know that I have been a slave and a a loyal a loyal consumer of the Glossier Bomb.com rose flavor. Okay, I buy well, it in bulk. Glossier in general. Okay, but I'm saying the rose flavor Bomb.com is an essential, non-negotiable thing I just have to have at all times. It has to be, it just is. It is what it is. Now, I usually don't stray from the rose, but I was at, you know, best friend Brett. We all know best friend Brett. Uh, I was at her house and she had the cookiebutterbomb.com from Glossier. And I was like, eh, this is going to taste like lip smackers. It's going to remind me of that. It's going to be gross. This has changed my life. It feels like I'm eating cookies and I'm not. The Okay. Okay. I, I just have one critique on okay. that. On that and it look, bomb. it's terracotta. Oh, it, it literally matches your sweatsuit. And, <laughs> and my nails. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a terracotta. Nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, no. I'm turning into a pumpkin. Okay, go. It's post-Thanksgiving. Um, Is the fact that the only reason I've never gotten the Glossier lip balm is because you have to put it on your finger and then apply it to your lips, which, in my opinion, is unideal mm-hmm. and not very sanitary in many ways. Like, what are you going to do? pump gas and then you know put it under your finger and put it on your lips There's unideal something called hand sanitizer that you could do in the interim but like i don't want to wash my hands every time i have to put lip balm on because i put lip so balm on like is, 30 times a day this is this is you are correct in this uh observation i put it on my finger i put it on the lips and then i wipe it on any surface that is around me and it's kind of disgusting like like why don't they just put uh, you know so the thing though is i know the summer fridays one does that but i would it's i don't know you could also put it directly on your lips i'm sure it's just like it, it's better to smear it around with your finger Okay. We're getting into logistical error here, but um, a product's all about logistic and application. This is true. This is, v- and also Glossier is very much all about the like ergonomics of their products. Yeah. So, sisters, if any of you work at Glossier, if any of you work at Glossier, <laughs> let us know. We have that has literally never worked for us in our one day. It will three just, years just of podcasting. Name, name every single brand, and someone will have to work from somewhere. So, um, yeah, the GlossierBomb.com cookie butter. Amazing. I love it. Get it for Christmas. Okay. So I know that we have an happy outline. Happy Hanukkah. Okay. There we go. Oh, happy Hanukkah. It is Hanukkah. Um, so I know that we have an outline, but I thought we could open with talking about our first initial reactions and relationship to the internet mm-hmm. as far back as we can remember. So let's do it. 
which is kind of crazy because as someone who is three years older than you, those three years meant a lot in the time of the internet because I remember growing up with... Why don't we break it down by phases and then we can kind of talk through the progression of the internet. Okay, want to talk about Web 1.0? We're going to talk about Web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Sisters, if you have a pulse... If you are alive on the internet today, you've probably heard every fucking person talk about Web3. Except me. I didn't hear that. Yeah, I know. Because you're not really, you don't really have a pulse, you know? Oh my God. Your literal toenails are terracotta. I, this is too much. This is, this is, I'm, I'm now allergic to terracotta. I'm turning it. Well, it's the same And you nails. have bronzer on and you're only wearing gold which i feel like is a terracotta accent i'm turning into a pumpkin i'm turning into a terracotta anti-halloween pro pumpkin Uh, okay all right anyways so yes you don't have a pulse on the things so Mm -hmm. that's why you didn't know about web3 now we're gonna talk about our relationship to the internet as it evolved throughout these stages. So for those of you sisters that don't know, Web 1 was basically when the internet started, okay? There was like static web pages. There wasn't really any interactivity yet. Um, and that was maybe pre-even AIM days. Like this was early, yeah, early. So in elementary school, this was kind of the Web 0.0 situation for me. Web, I re- Web 1.0. Web 1. <laughs> web 1.0. Okay, so anyways, I remember in elementary school having typing classes because... Yes! Because... Yes. The internet was so new. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Did you retain that was like a fucking cackle? <laughs> Did you retain any of the way you should actually Do you actually type the way you should okay, type? Okay, can you give me the fucking floor for sorry, two sorry, seconds? Sorry. Because that class was the highlight of my fucking elementary school. Okay. I was not athletic. I was not that great in school, to be honest. I thought speed I was, but typing. I wasn't. You were a speed But typer? let me tell you about my typing abilities. <laughs> I took that class so goddamn seriously. I was the fastest typer in the class, which I also want to point out that when I was 22, I applied for the secretary job, and I they put me through a typing thing, and I oh I can type over 120 words a minute. I am a, I am a typing supreme master. So, I'm a terrible typer, so typist. No, when you say, when you ask, like jokingly, you're like, oh, do you remember? No, I type. By the fucking book. No. Yes. With the every. Yes. I only use my pointer fingers. Okay. Well, who can type over 120 <laughs> words a minute in this room? Me. Okay. So, anyways, um, yeah, we would have typing classes, and they would teach us the exact correct way to type. Which who who invented that, and how quickly did they invent that? So, I think that was my first. Um, what's the word? <laughs> She's Luna's licking my phone. That's my phone. Oh. <laughs> She's gonna post a TikTok. She's opening TikTok. She's opening TikTok. So that was my first, you know, recollection or memory of the internet was typing class and then going to uh, whitehouse.gov or something, which was a port or whitehouse.com, which was a porn site. So white. Oh wait, I learned about the White House. Yeah, no. If you put in a different ending, it was a porn site. Oh dear. And it was a whole thing when we were in fifth grade. But anyways. In this stage, we didn't have cell phones. I remember going with my mom to get a beeper. And it's pretty crazy to think about the fact that cell phones, by the time I got them, we were, I was like the first age group that got cell phones. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. 
Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Amen. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me. After I gave birth, I noticed that around the crown of my head, my hair was shedding. I've been taking Nutrafol for almost three months at this point, and I am not kidding you when my husband, my friends, my family have been commenting on how long, strong, and healthy my hair has been looking lately. I mean, sisters, if you've been watching OK Sister on YouTube, you've seen my hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. I mean, 86% is a lot of women. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code OKSIS. Okay, 
and the and we had only flip phones. They weren't smartphones. No, they it weren't even flip at that time. They were like a block like this, and every <laughs> single key had A, B, C, yeah, and then the end. Oh my god, you children, Gen Zers, who probably aren't even listening to this, but they will never know the struggle. Yeah, of but having anyways, to text with those three fucking letters. Yes, Web 1.0 was not necessarily an interactive experience. It was going to no. like a storefront and seeing information. Sure, exactly. So. That was pretty early on in our lives. I think obviously the biggest impact and what what we are living through right now is Web point two. Sorry, <laughs> Web two point oh. This is us trying to have a real conversation. This is us trying to be data analysts. Like seriously, I thought this was going to be a really really great no, episode. This is great. This is, <laughs> this is gonna be a great I don't know because you keep okay. cackling. <laughs> Web 2.0 is basically what we are living in today. So things such as podcasting, blogging, social media, social networking, social everything that has to do with. The key is that it's interactive at this point. It's interactive. It's connected. But a key element to it and what is a huge difference between Web 2.0 and then what we are entering into, which will be Web 3, is that all of the social media conglomerates and like basically monopolies at this point, Facebook, Google, you know them all, they control our content, right? We um, are kind of at their whim. We we are at whatever power and, and features and things and they, they own our data. They own the content basically that we are producing. Whereas with Web3, the content creator will have full ownership, full control over what they produce. So it'll have a lot more emphasis on content creation. And that is because of, of uh, you know, conduits like blockchain. You can, you know, control the internet with NFTs and actually have like digital real estate and have a portion and own a portion of the internet, which is fascinating. But it also, you know, goes into a whole evolution of... Okay, let's go back to Web okay, 2. Okay, sorry, sorry. Let's talk about... So I think I have a very unique experience with web 2.0 in the sense that myspace came around when i was in eighth grade Mm -hmm. and so i was kind of the first age group adolescent age group to be introduced to social media at a really really prime cognitive puberty level so myspace happened in eighth grade for me and so i clearly distinctly remember a time when there was nothing and then all of a sudden there was a social media network and i remember when i got facebook in ninth grade which is when things really really changed Mm -hmm. In the sense that I remember being on Facebook for a couple months. I remember when it was only available for college students and then they open up to high school and then I got invited and I got on it in ninth grade. And I remember very quickly after using it for a couple months when I would log into Facebook as a 14 year old and I didn't have a notification or nobody liked my photo or no one posted on my wall. There was no activity, which is the whole point of Web 2.0. I would not get the do- the hit of dopamine that I wanted and I would be sad. And every time there was a notification, I got really, really excited and I started getting, I remember being really cognizant of it. I remember being so quickly addicted to the stimulation and the notification and the social validation that came from Facebook. However, the difference between how you and I grew up, grew up because you were not long after me, but I think that by the time you already entered into like, a, a realization that you were social, right? Because I think we become really aware of ourselves in middle school. Mm-hmm. This type of social media was already starting. So you kind of entered into that area of puberty with social media already kind of established. But what's interesting is that during that time frame, social media was not was not a social network where you knew strangers. There weren't strangers in your home feed. You were only friends with people that you were actually friends with in real life. So the images that you were seeing were not um, face-tuned of models, of people living in fucking Dubai, right? It wasn't a barrage of hundreds of thousands and millions of images on a daily basis of people that you did not know. You didn't follow people you didn't know. So you and I grew up with a social network, social media that was just basically your your actual network your actual network your actual physical network online and the the stuff we posted and the representation of ourselves was pretty similar and accurate to how we were in real life which is completely evolved i mean we don't need to tell you it's like it's just phenomenal how much 
we conceal and how much, um, you know, prep priming we do to make sure we look a certain way on the internet or, or like, you or take perceived. 40 photos and you choose one. Right. Which like that wasn't the case back then. It was like this funny, fun thing to do with your friends online. And it was a very accurate pre- representation of who you were for sure. Yeah. So like Instagram, you post one photo from the night. Mm-hmm. Facebook, you would have a whole album. A whole album. And so you oh would just God, snap, would do done, so. snap, done, snap, done. And it wasn't this intense scrutiny of what you looked like in every photo. Like yeah. you and I talk a lot about how high schoolers today look so beautiful and put together. It's because they are getting information on how to look like that from so many which ways. Mm-hmm. And they're be- they're being given the opportunity to scrutinize themselves so significantly because the rest of the world is scrutinizing themselves on the internet that they can then beautify themselves so much more than yeah. we ever had access to stuff like that. It was funny. Even the other day, my dad's, my dad, our dad's girlfriend was like, yeah, your dad always sends me these random things. And then I, I say like, oh, who, who's, who is that? Or whose photo is that? And he says, I don't know. It's a random person on the internet. And she's like, why are you looking at random people? And I'm like, Deborah, that is the whole internet. Like whole internet. we all, we literally all we are doing. And then, I mean, I don't really even want to lump Facebook and like what has come, what has evolved from like TikTok. I mean, even just that whole progression has been huge because now TikTok has introduced us to this element of you don't need to know anyone. <laughs> it doesn't. It actually doesn't matter that anyone on this social media platform is your friend or you know them. But you have to take it a, back, a step back further, okay? So you got to go. You got to talk about Snapchat and stories first. So we went sure. from Facebook to having a social network that represented our physical network. Right. Then we went from Instagram, which that opened up the door to understanding and knowing strangers and like the influencer world started and then snapchat came out so instagram almost dialed back the content we posted on the internet because we weren't posting 30 photos from our facebook album the night before all of a sudden we were posting the best one which created the highlight reel and that was fine right you would post three photos four photos a week and that's really all people knew about you but then when snapchat came out it gave everybody the ability to clench that need because reality TV started coming, becoming really rise. And all of a sudden, people were being followed by cameras and having their whole lives on television. Mm-hmm. Snapchat came out and gave us that same ability, but in the power of our own phone. So Snapchat, and then once Instagram took that technology and created stories. Are you talking about stories or yes, similar to reality now TV? All, yes. Now, yeah. now all of a sudden, our social media profiles went from us posting the four best photos of the week to us filming our entire lives Every and feeling thing. as if we have that fame hit that reality television stars have. And then TikTok. Now talk about TikTok. Because that was the video component. That started the video component. But even so, regardless of a video component, to me the most fascinating part is that we're looking at strangers. Instagram the whole time was like, Obviously, we you fo- but it's like who you follow. It's who you curate. And that's what Instagram thought people wanted. They thought, oh, you know, you only want to see people that you give permission to get to mm-hmm. consume, right? Whereas that was, com- that was completely not the case. And TikTok flipped that on its head. And I don't know if it's for better or for worse. I, I can't really decide, but it is a completely different experience. I do not go on to TikTok to watch people that I follow. I go to discover new things, completely new people. Like, yes, there are certain TikTok influencers I like to go back and and watch all their stuff, but it is such a different dynamic than any other platform. And TikTok could have been like the same thing. You follow someone and it's just that type of content, but they made it so that it is, we are literally (laughs) looking into strangers' lives more than we should ever need to. Like it I mean, if you sit on TikTok for an hour, you can see probably over a hundred way over a hundred. Way. Two hundred people's stories. Lives. Or like, you know, yeah. A little insight into just people from all over the world. Why would you ever need to know anything? I mean, Instagram had that ability, but the there was no way to discover people that quickly and that short right. of a time span. Right. So like no one's going on the explore page and just scrolling. So I do want to talk a little bit about um our transition to the social media fatigue, which I think we we've touched upon this a lot, but I was just telling you right before we hopped on the podcast, I remember right before we started OK Sis, so this must have been three and a half years ago, four years ago, we were sitting at Sugarfish, LOL. And I not LOL, <laughs> great fucking restaurant. I 
I we looked at each other like someone we were with. I don't know. Someone was talking about like, oh my god, social media is so bad. Like, oh my god, the like everyone is always talking, and we looked at each other. And we're like, we have a very healthy relationship to social media like we we don't understand what people are talking about we don't feel addicted to it we feel like we're curating our feeds to be uplifting or it's maybe it was just so different back then and it wasn't as what it is but we didn't feel that sentiment that everyone kept saying like oh social media is bad it's ruining our our children whatever until (laughs) I think we transitioned to having okay sis and treating Instagram like a business and going into that realm. It has shifted everything for me. And I, I wish, you know, I still curate my feed the similar way. Maybe it's just the content. Maybe it's myself. Maybe it's the, because I have to treat it like a business and because I have to constantly be churning out shit. Whereas before it was like something I did as a frivolous fun thing. Whereas Mm -hmm. now it's a, consistent regimented uh, engineered for likes type of thing which maybe that was the shift but I also feel like people who aren't influencers or don't use Instagram as a business feel this way too so what is it so I think this is the conversation that shift that you and I had I think this is the next evolution that's carrying us into web three Mm -hmm. is the sense that all of a sudden the social media network that went from networking with your physical community to being exposed to outside of your community strangers and observing their lives is now being turned on us that we are being asked and it is almost like this prerequisite of society at this point to be economically successful to be successful in society is that not only are we now picking up on stimulation from everybody else, we're being forced to have a very, very specific identity on the internet. And so that's... And an opinion and a perspective and a fucking everything. You need to have everything on there. So that digital avatar-ness is unfortunately something that's stressing our system out because we've never had to exist in two places at once as human beings. And now you and I talk about it all the time. We really do have our in-person self and we have our online self. Okay. And, you know, you we, we are constantly thinking like, what do we show on the internet and what do we not? And I think you and I have done a really good job at not having so too m- much of a separation. Too much of a separation. But that also comes with consequences. Yeah. It's, it becomes very disorienting in your mind. You yeah. don't know what's real, what's not. It is very strange. And so this is a good place to bring in um, the episode we were referencing in the beginning. So John Favreau from Pod Save America started a new series uh, called Offline. And his first guest was Gia Tolentino. And we are millennials, so we stand Gia Tolentino. And if you've never read Trick Mirror, you're not a millennial. So this episode of Offline, she talks about this concept and she also references it in her book in the essay called what is it? The eye and internet. Yeah. The eye and internet. Um, okay. So it's sociologist Irving Goffman presented the idea that a person is like an actor on a stage. So the concept is you play a lot of different roles in your life. Mm-hmm. You are, you are a mother, you are a sister, you're a friend. You also are an employee. You are a manager, whatever. You're a writer. You have all of these different identities and roles that you play with on a daily basis. And, you know, in the morning you're with your, you're with your partner. You're a different person. You drive to work, you put on a role. You, you are an actor on a stage where the role of employee at an office and Mm -hmm. then you go home and you're able to shed that mask that is just the way society and our world has always been there is an opportunity though at the end of the day to shed the mask social media basically basically says there is no shedding of the mask the curtain never closes the curtain never closes you are an actor you are a you're performing 24 7 and that is not not only exhausting it is not sustainable it is a it is a full-fledged trip to burnout because you just cannot have a moment where you are either not thinking about what you're going to post posting or even just or consuming there is a constant loop that just never ends is basically what this theory is and there's so many things that come to mind like 
For example, just real quick, this is kind of a side note. You know, when I think about my team at Scouts Agency, I don't want people to come to work and be a completely different person Mm -hmm. than they are. I don't think being someone completely different from your nine to five is healthy. And yet maybe there is some, you know, pros to there's always going to be you're always going to be a little bit of a different person but I want to diminish that performance as much Mm -hmm. as I can even though you can't do it all the way but as much as you can so that you feel at least a little bit like you're not performing there's just different sides of you per se but this really you know a couple images come to mind right how many times have you and I sat together and when me and Nads are together like yeah, there are some funny moments where we're crazy and hilarious, but there's also some moments where we're just sitting there and being very dull. Mm-hmm. But we've sat here and been very dull and monotone and low energy and bored and just existing. And then you whip out the phone and all of a sudden we sit up, we perk up, right. we do our animation. And then all of a sudden the minute it's done recording, we slump Slumped back down, down yeah. and sit. And it's this crazy thing to think about. But I also think that with not having, we're going through that growing pain moment which is unfortunate in my opinion that not ever having the curtain close is leading to the part where our digital avatar is going to be as ingrained as our physical self and that is basically what web3 means so web3 will be this data-driven ai uh, you know, the blockchain, everything will be operating through those mechanisms. And it basically means that we have a digital avatar. I've been re- I've been seeing a lot of amazing TikToks that explain this in, in an incredible way. So like right now we're in the world of the phone. Our phone is <laughs> basically an extension of self, right? You can't. It's you, a limb. We've called it a, a limb. limb. Like if you lost your phone, yes, you could survive, but you would not be able to be a participating member of society. Like you, you would just, go through anxiety withdrawals for sure. For in the sure. And everything, everything you do is through the phone. You order a car, you order, you have to do this. You, you, uh, you check your bank account, you check you your bank account, reservation, you to, whatever. Every single thing is through the phone. So Work, social, pleasure. Now, with Web3, he compared it to like, now we're going to have glasses. I mean, like, I mean, Google Glass tried to do this, but I think it came, obviously it came too early because Web3 wasn't, we're in, we're in Web3 a little bit, but it's going to be completely um, organized around this, this, the, this uh, world, I guess. And the, the glasses is just going to be, we are going to be able to like be at a concert as ourselves and then look around and see our friends, digital avatars, but they're not going to act like they're not going to physically be there with us, but we're going to be watching a concert with them next to us type of thing. Mm. And like, we'll be able to just Google search something in the moment while having these glasses on. We'll be able to take a photo just with our eyes, basically. Like it'll it'll be crazy when it becomes contact lenses and then it's literally not even something you you could take off. See, I know. And so it was funny because people, people in the comments are like, I want no part of this. (laughs) And then it's like, you are already existing within it, which and that kind of goes to our point. That in the just beginning. makes it more convenient to do the stuff you're already doing. You're already Google searching. You're already right. FaceTiming it's people just in a concert. It's going to make it more. It's going to. Yeah, it's going to make it a lot more digitized, streamlined to a degree that we can't even comprehend at, in, in this moment. And like the same way that the App Store opened up. Uh, I mean, uh, opened up industries, businesses like uh, mm-hmm. businesses that we couldn't even like fathom. I mean, Camber, like that couldn't exist without the app store or an app. That is what Web3 will basically provide for us. There, we can't even imagine the type of industries and businesses that will that will develop as of this. But it's but it's still this crazy thing where we the opportunities have no are choice but yeah. to enter this space which is fine i'm always for technological advancements i'm re- i'm really excited to see what happens but what i hope what i hope what i hope is that while we are moving towards this we learn from what happened from web 2 mm-hmm. what we learn that the the detriment to our psyche and the the and our mental health like i really hope we only go into this next phase with um, an operation standpoint. Like this is great for our life efficiency and operations. Great. It's going to just, it's going to streamline and help us. That was what web two was supposed to do. That was what, you know, any type of technological advancement is supposed to just like benefit us, but it has hurt us so much. See, more. Th- the problem is if the phone is already a limb, web three will be our heart. 
Oh, we will we fuck. web three will integrate the human experience that we cannot yeah. live without technology we will right. be so fucking dependent on it in a way that is so beyond what it is today right now this isn't attached to us our yeah. phone is not attached to us but pretty soon yeah i mean think about it think about your identity on the internet as this co-host of this podcast i mean listen as I'm saying all of this, me having a personal brand on the internet has g- opened up opportunities. And that's the whole point is that technically these things were built to open up opportunities. Right. And the success of my business, the fact, the way I make money, the way I find fulfillment, the way I find connection, the way I have a everything. platform, everything is based on the internet. And I think that content creators and those with personal brands within the business space are the first people to put our head up above the ground and say, wait a minute, this div- this digital avatar that Web3 is forcing everybody to create, we are in the trenches of it already and we are seeing the ramifications and the consequences of it. So we are okay, the so first prototype. Okay, okay, so... Content creators, not we. Content creators. I think what's going to be amazing is that there's going to be... Um, there's a lot more respect and... Uh, ownership that will be placed on content creators in web three they will have a lot more power and control which is amazing because right now it does feel like we are controlled by the forces that be at uh mark zucky and Marky so zucky. we marky zucky so it's just it's it, it that i'm excited for because i think it will place content creators and like community managers and these types of individuals and leaders on in the internet as um as more in control which is which feels really good to me so i i pose this question do you think there is a world where we learn from the ramifications of Web 2 on our mental health and we move into Web 3 with a more purposeful intention of this is going to just help us live more efficiently, but our mental health will... No. Okay, you think our mental health no, will... No, because, I mean, think d- about it. ...diminish as a result think or about decrease. It. It, we take Web t- Web 2, right? And we think about all the consequences. Web 3's solution, add more tech become more dependent right there's no make it more seamless that's actually not that is not the answer to our problems right so it's actually making us more dependent on technology and our digital persona and our digital online footprint yeah so web3 while it might have good intentions it's actually just asking us to increase our dependency on the things that are making us totally fucking crazy i have a question for you okay where does podcasting come into all of this because This is why I personally love the podcasting medium so much is because you and I, this is the most real and in-person interaction that we can have that will eventually digitally represent us. Because right now you and I are sitting in a room, the only thing that is maybe not a uh, representation of real life is that there is a performative aspect because we know we're on a microphone, we know we're being filmed. And so that big brother aspect that they're always watching us and you always have to be on is super present in this room. Mm -hmm. And yet you and I are sitting here and having a conversation that one, we would never have if Mm -hmm. we didn't concentrate this time and put it aside. And two, it is the most uncurated type of content on the internet. But when I think about podcasting, I'm like, it's not a social media app because there's no, there's no interactivity, which is the point of web two. So it's almost like a digital broadcast of a real yeah. moment. So what I think is the content itself will not shift. We will always be this, like, the, no, the but actual, how do you think it's ab- the distribution that's going to change? But how do you think about, but how do you, I'm, I'm asking, how do you think about podcasting as a content channel within the bigger scope of, is it social media? Is mm-hmm. it, what is it? Because it's not social media. It but is, it is content. Yeah. I mean, there's we've no always, interactivity. We've always talked it. about this. And actually, I did just see this platform. Oh, I should have looked it up before this. That is doing exactly what we've been saying for years, Scout, where creating a social media, channel. creating a social media channel where you can comment on an episode. You can comment and like specific parts, kind of like SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. You listen to it. You can like clap at one point so that you can actually get real time feedback from your audience. And rather than going to fucking Instagram and Geneva, uh, uh. join our community center. And I, tell us what you think but yeah it is it, it they are there are platforms that are trying to solve that because like apple Podcasts. but and do Spotify, we want obviously. them to solve it i personally would love if we could hear from our audience in real time on an episode and and understand mm-hmm. and be able to Careful. rather than going externally to a third party 
I mean, I don't know. I used to think that too, but I think the beauty of this platform is is that we don't get any. We only get bad podcast reviews. We don't get like bad reviews in the we in say the moment. that, but we've had like barely any bad podcast reviews. Yeah. But I mean, mostly that we always say how we don't know who actually listens to us. We just see a number, and that actually might be better for our psyche. Maybe if we had constant constructive but criticism or not constructive criticism, just shit. For every little mi- minute of our podcast episodes. But it's not good for a uh, community-based uh, content, which is what we do. It's not. We would not be able to connect individually with our community yeah. if it was just a, bl- a blanket number and we didn't have any other outlet to, to congregate Maybe with each other. we have the best of both worlds, that we Maybe. can get on this mic and do this, and then the people who really don't. feel a kinship to us join our Geneva Community Center, and we have that space just for community building. Okay. Look, I don't know. It's just I, interesting to think but about. But I do think that that realm of... In real time, there's going to be like an algorithmic sense to all this. Like every, like we're going to be able to search certain audio clips and files and be, and it's going to be all organized, cataloged. You'll be able to search for something, pull here. It's going to be, it's going to be like we don't, we can't even fathom what it's going to be. But every piece of content is going to be like that. It's going to be one giant search engine that google could never google could never (laughs) i also think there's that other part of the thing of that you know how we're always looking into strangers lives yes i think people who are you know we have a community but i'm talking about which also plays an effect on our psyche but and our confidence but i think people with you know hundreds of thousands and millions of followers on instagram I don't know if they're able to, you know, I think that's why fame really hurts people in the traditional sense of celebrities because the amount of people that know them, that have an opinion on them, that expect something from them is so debilitating. I don't think our minds on a mass scale are able to wrap around the fact that X amount of people know our lives and depend on our content or have an opinion or expect things from us. I think that's also a really, really difficult. It's a difficult burden to bear. It truly is. It's it's very it's it's a lot of pressure. It, yeah, you're 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 so true in that where if we are moving into a web three that is more focused on content creators, then we need to have parameters. We need to have some sort of uh, script for how we communicate with one another and and like <laughs> and community limit, guidelines on limit the haters it is going to yeah. be especially if we're go- moving into the space where content creators are going to be king like then you, we need to have parameters over how to treat one another on the internet it's just that it's going to become utter chaos if if content creators actually have control I mean, it is, in my opinion, I feel the utter chaos quite significantly every single day. I feel like since the pandemic, the amount of hate and tearing down and judgment and negative remarks on the internet. Yeah. The, how do, how, the, how no, will that sur- be surveillanced in Web3? Uh, I don't hear anyone talking about that. It's how the trolls, and I don't even want to call them trolls because I don't even think they're trolls. I think they're just like genuine regular people at this point, like just regular people on the internet feel entitled to the content creators of the content that they consume. They feel entitled that that person acts, says, does, believes in, and supports everything that they want them to. And when they don't, there is such a jarring disjointedness that they go fucking crazy and project their opinions on this person. And they feel as if they almost, again, have this entitlement towards the content creator to behave and be a certain way based off what they expect from them. Mm -hmm. And that's where that's where the hate is coming from in the sense that maybe because the internet and social media is so addicting, we've become addicted to the people's content that we consume in their lives. And so when they do something that doesn't feel formulaic to us or doesn't fully fit into their brand pillars, Mm -hmm. it creates our mind into total chaos and we feel as if they've let us down personally. Oh, 100%. Which is such a fucked up situation. I think something that we need to move on to and that... I mean, one, this conversation is going to be ever evolving. It's going to continue yeah. for, I mean, I was joking because like every fucking, you know, intellectual newsletter that I subscribe to, every, there hasn't been one that I haven't opened up that it doesn't talk about Web3. It's like the 
it's like the hot topic right now. But what I would love is for us to bring on someone to OK Sis, so, uh, someone that is very involved in this conversation, mm-hmm. ha- has a lot of knowledge about this, and talk specifically about what does Web3 mean for mental health, for the safety of content creators, if content creators are going to be at the the like nucleus of all of this. Like, what are we going to do to protect them? What are we going to do to uh, lift them up and, and support them? But then also, yeah, the mental health, I think, is really important because for web the, three for keep, just users web, of web three yeah like web three is boasting this you know more intelligent more connected more open websites more open spaces on the internet but where does the just like parameters <laughs> where boundaries did, did we learn i want to know if we learned anything well, from, <laughs> from web two that we're moving in. i haven't heard anything about like where are we dropping off the things how are we going to just let go of things that didn't serve us in web th- two i don't know, you know where what? that com- conversation is you make such such an excellent point and i think it's because i mean one amazing amazing insight into the what the conversation needs to be yeah and i think that question should be posed a lot more And two, I think it's because the world moves so quickly that I think we're seeing the negative effects of Web 2, like, in its full expression. And I don't even think we're at the fullest expression this year. Yeah. Like, I would say even the last, like, five months. Yeah. So it's so quick. Like, yeah, the consequences have just been so apparent so quickly that we don't even know what to make sense of. I mean, listen, this... I want to get a little meta-ish here. I know that we're... Meta. I know that we're talking on a on a Metaverse. platform and a microphone that has given us our career and has given us so much fulfillment, has given us you sisters, which yes, the, the community insane. is like the women we've attracted are incredible. And at the same time, I want to be really careful and knowing that if this is what I want to do with my life, which it is, I just want to make sure that I can deal with all of the crazy negative consequences that have erupted because of the way we treat digital avatarness on the internet, me included. And so I'm wrestling existentially with who am I in real life and who am I on the internet? I yeah. talk about it all the time to you. Like, who am I in OK Sis? Is that the best representation of me offline? How do I make sure online I'm all, you know, the whole 360 multifacetedness that we've always promoted here on OK Sis, but sometimes I feel as if in the digital avatar world, multifacetedness is, doesn't work with the algorithm. So it's yeah. the most, it really is the most confusing thing. And I, I just want to preface that this conversation is has nothing to do with, you know, shitting where you eat, which is, you know, or, you know, biting the hand that feeds you because it's not that. It's how do we continue to have these conversations and promote the beautiful vulnerability and and intimacy that this podcast brings you and me and brings all of you sisters listening without, as you said, by leaving at the door the negative consequences and pressures and nastiness that Web 2 has brought us today. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense what you just said about how do we bring our three because we're still struggling, struggling with that now is like, how do we blur those lines um, of the what we were talking about in the beginning, that role theory of, you know, you you go to work, you have a role, you did it, any interaction relationship you're in, you have a specific role. But then, OK, when you're alone, when you're, when you're stripped of it, that is your true authentic self. But it's like, what if what if we want to express yeah the, the, the th- what if we wanted to express that true authentic self all the time is that yeah. is that just dangerous like is that not is that just not sustainable like yeah it's interesting it's dangerous because society uh, demands us uh, of us a certain code a certain yeah. you know mannerism sure. certain there's, you know, you can't walk into the middle of the street and scream bloody murder and expect everything to be fine. Okay, well, that's not my true authentic self. So. Well, you, well, you know what I mean? But like, you know, yesterday I was in CVS with my husband. And you can't like fart just randomly. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you know, that's what I do when I, I mean, I'm alone. Even the idea, and I think this really trips people up, and I was wondering why it does. I was in CVS with my husband yesterday and a good song was playing and I was in a really goofy mood. Mm-hmm. Silly goofy Silly mood. Silly goofy mood. And I, my favorite rare form. I was just dancing around CVS. My husband was definitely not dancing because I think he'd be embarrassed by it. But it's so crazy to me that that's how big societal pressure is. That even the idea, which is why I love you so much, Mads, because you will literally dance with me in public anywhere. Yep. But the idea of even dancing in public is too much for people. Yeah. Like the eyes on them and the judgment from them is just too much to handle. And breaking three free from those societal constraints in a healthy way, like dancing and expressing extreme joy in public should not be something that you're afraid to do. Yeah. Uh, I think the podcast has helped us to <laughs> break out of, break down those shells. But 
Wow. What a, this just, this sparked so much, so much in my brain. And yeah. it, it is giving me a lot to think about because I, I still want to become really educated about this. I've been, I've been, I've been reading a lot about it because my newsletters, they're giving it to me. They're like, Web3. <laughs> okay. So, and it's all over TikTok. So I've been learning a lot about it and it's, it's extremely fascinating to me. I've always been a tech enthusiast. I love learning about it. So I think we should really continue this because maybe we could have, Scott, maybe we could be the ones that, that pioneer the mental health movement into Web3. Into Web3. We, we start the conversation because this is ridiculous. I just, it really does seem like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. This is amazing. This is phenomenal that we're going to be able to live life so efficiently yeah, like, like this. I think it's amazing. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I just want to make sure we fucking learn. Yeah. We uh, take a step back. We learn from our mistakes, and we yeah. can progress even more beautifully forward. Yeah. We want Web three I mean. to be a success. We want it to we be a sex. Web three. We're rooting for you, Web three. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're on your side. Also, what a beautiful episode to you know. Sometimes I always wonder if someone comes to OKSIS, which episode do they listen to? Because oh, we really go all over the place, okay. man. Like I can't, you know. Like last episode, Oy. I'm talking about. I don't want to say it's on, you know, Jake Just, Gyllenhaal and Pete Davidson and Kanye West and whatever. And then this episode, we dive deep into philosophical. Our existential of struggle of our digital <laughs> avatarness. So, anyways, I love but again, you, man. We we hold multitudes. We so do. You and I. We have always promoted the multitudeness of the woman, of the female, of the person, of the general. person. So, anyways, All sisters, other people have multitudes. This is true. Yeah, other you know the other <laughs> the sex, others the other sex <laughs> has multitudes. Anyways, sisters, we as always are so honored that you are even a part of this ride with us. Um, a beautiful free way to support Okay Sis is to leave us a rating and review. It really, really makes our day and helps us more than you know. And you know where to find us on Instagram. I'm at Scout Sobel. Mads is at Maddie Mayo. And together we are at OKSIS Podcast. Love you, sisters. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life tune in every thursday to i'm not your shrink wherever you listen to podcasts while i'm not your shrink i am still human and i'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together